I can't believe we did some of this stuff. We started to have some fun in the office. So we went out um, and bought like a hundred cardboard characters. We actually dressed to them in CLA gear. We actually went to LinkedIn, got everybody's face onto the cardboard and we stuck them all over the office. Like people were here working. It made the office feel less empty. And then we'd go have meetings with these people and film videos and post them out on CLA's, you know, Yammer thing. It's like a Facebook. One day we packed them all in the elevator and just had a fun thing with COVID that you can't be in the elevator together. But I say all that, that that started to just show culture. And before you know it, we had several other people saying, man, these guys are having some fun. I'm going to go back. And it started to trickle back. Maybe it was one day a week. Then it became two. And before you know it, I would say at end of 21, ish, this office, this particular office started to fill 50% full. Welcome back everyone to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We're the voice of the most important conversations on the future of work, confronting business leaders and people today. And our goal is to bring you... I think we lost Jason for a second there. So what he was going to say is we're going to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of business, technology, and people. Well, happy summer, everyone. Despite our technical difficulties, we've got another great episode lined up today. We'll be talking with Randy Dial about building a resilient culture in the face of adversity, and we certainly have that, our share of that. But the good news is we're not just talking theory here because Randy was instrumental in helping his organization, Clifton, Larson, and Allen, transform their culture in response to the pandemic and remote work. The timing couldn't be more perfect because, as you know, Jason, I just started my second week in the Understanding the Brain and Business Certification Program at Wharton. And just this morning, the new module dropped. And guess what? It's all about connections culture, and relationship. So I'm not sure we'll get into all this today, but those connections and relationships organizations have been trying to build for decades, team building, collaboration, self-development, professional development. Well, guess what? We're very close to getting to being able to measure brain activity as it relates to empathy and trust. So in the near future, or maybe even some of it may be available now, there's no more faking it. We can't just fake empathy and we're not going to be able to fake trust because our brains are able to figure it out. So stay tuned. We'll be talking a lot more about that in the future. Speaking about connections, a quick reminder that tomorrow, which is June 22nd, second day of summer, I'll be presenting a webinar with a Y Institute CEO and founder, Gary Sanchez. You might have heard, you, you probably heard Gary on a previous episode and we talk about the why all the time. But tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the synergy between the DISC profile, DISC behavioral styles, and the YOS, the Y operating system. When we talk about connection to self, to our roles, and to the organization, this con combination between DISC and Y takes the process to a whole new level of understanding and meaning. 
The webinar is free and you can join by registering at adaptabilitytoolkit.com forward slash dash disk dash y dash webinar. I'll put that in the comments or just message me and I'll send you a link. And don't forget, you can still download my book, Create Great Culture in a Remote World, which is what we're talking about today as well. You can get that at irawolf.com forward slash free dash book. That's irawolf.com free dash book. And you can download Create Great Culture in a Remote World. Jason, think we might have you back here. Let me see if we can get them back in. There, <laughs> talk you. About, there you are. Talk about dealing with some VUCA. Evidently. Yeah, talk about yards. synergy. So hopefully yeah. this will work. So uh, I don't know if you were able to, to hear where we were, but Jason, I, I'm going to literally turn this over to you right now because it was perfect timing to come back on because you discovered some amazing stats about culture. And we usually talk about all this on the perfect labor storm segment. So yeah, absolutely. There were some really interesting things that came out from OC Tanner's 2023 Global Culture Report. It just came out this week or last week. And here are some of the perfect labor storm stats that just really stood out to me from that. Nearly one in three employees don't feel fulfilled at work. And then listen to this. This is making those one third of employees feel 399% of them feel more likely to actively look for another job. 340% of them are more likely to leave the organization within a year. They're 47% less likely to put in a great deal of effort to help the organization succeed. So just going through the motions. And then they're 71% less likely to promote the organization as a great place to work. Then more than half, 61% of leaders report having more general responsibilities at work since before the pandemic including hiring and training new employees, adapting policies as pandemic rules changed, and assigning and scheduling work with employees in flux. And I'm sure, as we'll hear from Randy in a bit, probably a lot of his day-to-day -day and a lot of things that got added on his plate were things related to those things that we just saw. And some of those increase in responsibilities has led to a higher likelihood of anxiety for leaders, an increase of 21% over the last year, which also increases the chances of burnout that's gone up 520%. You heard that right. Burnout with leaders in a year has gone up by 520%, according to this report. And so with the post-pandemic workplace often being uncertain, constantly changing, what we need are more workers that are able to thrive in this ambiguity. And what we're now calling these employees many times is we're calling them generalists. And so 52% of these employees consider themselves to be generalists, but unfortunately, 50% of them feel like their contributions are overlooked. And then lastly, real quickly here before we, we get to Randy, according to McKinsey, the top reasons that people quit their jobs are that they don't often feel valued. In fact, 54%, according to the McKinsey report, say they don't feel valued at work. And then 51% say they don't feel like they belong. At work either. And so after more than two years of social isolation, distancing, uncertainty, employees are craving that connection and community in the workplace. But we're still really struggling with a lot of those things. And that brings us to our guest today, Randy Dial. He's one of the, the managing principals at Clifton Larson Allen. I've known Randy for four years now. He's here in Indianapolis. And I can't tell you the number of stories that he's shared with me over the years 
about how they led through the pandemic, how they're leading now after the pandemic, but then also with their eye to the future of with this new wave of AI and a lot of a lot of the digital transformation that's headed our way of how they're going to lead through those things as well. I am very excited for all of us to sit back and learn from him today about the things that have worked and then the things that they may be trying in the future as they navigate this next big wave of disruptive change that we're all going to experience with AI. And so without further ado, let's give a warm Googleization Nation welcome to today's guest from Clifton Martin Allen, Randy Dial. Standing ovation, Randy. Yeah, nice. I love it. <laughs> right. How are you Thanks guys? Thanks so much for being with us. We're doing great. As you heard at the top of the show, once I got past all the technical difficulties, we've got a lot of culture shift to sort through today, stuff that's going on. And so we thought nobody better than someone who's helped lead through that change to take us from theory to application. But before we get to that deep stuff, let's start here, Randy. Tell us who you are, how you came to care about culture so much, and a little bit about Clifton Larson Allen and the work that you do. Yeah, happy to. So first of all, thanks for having me. Jason, you kind of know my story, but I'm a, I'm a small town Indiana kid from Frankfurt, Indiana. Went to a small high school, really didn't have any business background. My path was I was going to be a school teacher and a, and a sports coach. I'm at Ball State University my sophomore year, really starting to question whether I want to be a teacher. I was a math kid. I love numbers. And so I happened to take this class that just jumped out at me off the, the course syllabus called Accounting 101. And I'm in that class and I'm doing well in it. And the professor, just the light bulb kind of moment happened for me. The professor called me up after class, started engaging in me as a person, asking questions about who I am, you know, where I'm going and just showed me the way to the accounting profession. So without that guy leaning into me, I may have never found the profession. I didn't come from a business background. And so having said that, it took me on this journey of into the profession. I, I got disciplined. I took summer school, caught up, got my CPA and launched into this firm as an intern, believe it or not. I just celebrated my 25th anniversary last month with CLA. And I was an intern from the start, learned a lot and, and spent my first you know five or six years just trying to figure things out like we all do when you get into the workplace had no aspirations of being a managing partner or, or joining the board of the firm, things that I'll come back to in a minute, but just be a good person, work hard. I'm one that has had work ethic my entire life and just learn and grow. And, and above all else, treat people with respect and kindness and love within the office. And I think that journey took me through a number of years of just getting to know a lot of people within the CLA office here in Indianapolis, getting to know more people around the firm, and before you know it, you've got leadership opportunities that come your way. One of the things that I did notice from a cultural perspective as I grew up in this firm and where it really started to hit me is I would say in about year 17 for me, right? So call it about nine years ago, there were things that I just started noticing that leadership was not doing well, meaning you know, you said it a minute ago, Jason, we should be recognizing people more. We should be celebrating more as a team. We should be doing things around having fun at work. This should not be a job, eight to five, you go home. This needs to be a place where we really enjoy to be together. And so in 2015, I actually got the opportunity and was asked if I would want to take over as leader here for the state of Indiana. 
And although that was nerve wracking, right? Cause I was, I was young in age and I still had a lot of years left. You start to wonder, uh Oh, you know, am I going to get to keep my clients and all the value that I brought? I was excited. You know, I wasn't scared because I truly knew if you just really become that coach, the way I look at it and get this team fired up, we could really take this thing to new heights. And so when I took over in 2015, and, and the reason I'm telling you this story is because this is where culture, I worked really hard to build this culture before the pandemic. And I was be darned if this pandemic was going to take it away from me. Right. And so I worked hard as I started as the managing partner here to really focus on bringing this together as a team. One of the struggles that I saw early in my career was we had a bunch of different cultures. And that just does not work when you're trying to become one team, one firm, right? One office. And I worked really hard early in that tenure to really bring this thing together and not have separate cultures and separate teams and separate silos. And there were various things I did to do that. You know, one of the things, easiest things I did was I just moved people around in the office. I, I didn't like I didn't let teams sit together. I wanted everyone to kind of mix together and get to know everyone else. And that started to create a culture of we all work together. We're all part of one team. You know, some other things I did were, were really small moves. But I think the biggest thing I did is I started to share successes of the office, not by team, but by the office, right? Big client wins, people that go above and beyond. Just doing things and sharing more from a transparent leadership perspective is something that we had never seen before. And I think it started to build that mojo and that optimism and positivity that, man, we are a good team together. We're not separate teams. We're teammates and we can really build something special here. And so something really easy I started to do, and it's become kind of a big thing today, is I started sending a Friday message every Friday morning, 6 a.m. It's called the Happy Friday email. And I share everything and anything that happened positive that week. It could be, again, as easy as something, someone volunteering and going out and going above and beyond. It could be a huge client win. It could be our, our younger generation doing something as part of what we call the Young Advisory Council doing anything and everything. I keep a notebook every day with me. It's right here. And I jot down all the good stuff and I type a huge message and share everything I can. And it's just instilled this sense of we have it really good. We are a great team and we're going to win this game. And so I that was my first, you know, eight, seven, eight years at this firm is making sure this office is, is rolling culturally and the results followed. And that's the big thing. Culture wins. You build a good culture. Just watch what happens. And then the pandemic hit. And I'm sure we're going to get into more of those discussions, but I was not going to allow the pandemic to break apart what I had worked so hard to build here in the Indianapolis office. So, so you the- mentioned you mentioned different groups. So there were different types of cultures within CLA. It almost made me think of like cliques in high school. Yes. And so how, how do you, so you said that you were able to get everybody kind of galvanized. How do you go about doing that? I know you mentioned, you know, having people sit next to each other, but was there a lot of folks trying to dig their heel in? Like, no, this is the way our team or our department is going to function and do things. We're not going to adapt and change. Or did you find most people are like, okay, we're willing we're willing to galvanize. We're willing to do things a little bit differently from how we've done in order to support these other teams in other ways. How did that dynamic kind of play out? Extremely difficult, right? So your first year as managing partner, you come in and you start making some of these changes to people that have been in their seats for 20 years, right? I'm younger. I mean, you get these looks like, what do you know? Right. And I, I'll never forget it. When I moved people around in their seats, 
I had an, e uh, an email come to me one night from one of our leaders that just said, you're going to kill our culture. And I laughed because I said, what culture? You mean your culture or our culture? And, and it, it just was those, those things they needed to learn. They had never had anyone come in and try to build a team. They've, they grew up in this little click to your point, like their little practice. We're going to do our thing down here. Just leave us alone. We'll do well. And everybody did okay. Trust me. We weren't like, we weren't doing bad, but it was like, but we could do so much more together. We call that seamless, right? If we're an accounting firm. So if our tax practice is working with a client, tax better know that we also do digital and we do audit and we do cybersecurity. We have all this other services that your clients need and want. Get out of that silo and build this culture of togetherness. And that's, it was hard. Trust me, that first year of in this role, whew, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to that first year I had, but it took some learnings and hard conversations and not everybody stayed to be part of the train. That was the other thing. There were some that just said, this is not something I want to be part of. And I was okay with that. I'm building something for the future. If you don't want to play the game, that's okay too. We're going to have a culture of transparency and people that want to be here to win. Randy, I came from a professional background, so in healthcare. And in healthcare, we talked, there were groups that talked a lot about team building. But when I first left 30 years ago and started this business, some of my first clients were accountants attorneys i mean because at least on a professional level we mm -hmm. work with them and you know from accountants certainly financial planners engineers architects building a culture was irrelevant because you hung your shingle out the door yep. and people hired you because of your expertise and right. oftentimes, and, and I joked about this for a long time, and for those who didn't know, I mean, my first career, I was a dentist. I don't even know if you knew that, but, and I had a really successful practice. We had, you know, a large number of people, but 92% of all dental practices were solo. And for the, but even those that were group practices, they practice solo. They all had their own way of doing it. They all had their own receptionist. They were, they shared a building. That was it. They just yep. came to the same location. And now with remote work, that's even completely disrupted. <laughs> so, you know, yep. for a lot of businesses. So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious because I had similar experiences like that, even trying to break into talking about building a culture or talking about personal development. And when I say personal development, not career development, not going out to get all your, your credit courses and your, your licensure courses, but to build relationships, to communicate, to ups, you know, what you just shared. It was like, hey, you know, find, tax needed to know about our digital program and about our tax programs is that was called upselling and professionals don't sell. Right. <laughs> they were really yep. uncomfortable for that. And I can't tell you how many HR practices st were started. Uh, you probably know this because it, it was certainly within the last 25 years. How many HR advisory practices started in accounting firms that failed? Mm -hmm. yep. Because they, they couldn't sell it. It's like right. the, 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 the client would come in and talk about the biggest problem they have is turnover. They can't find people. And rather than saying, we might be able to help you with that. It's like, no, I don't want to, what if I, I don't want to pitch something. I don't want to sell that. I don't want to be rejected. Yeah. So fascinating transformation. So I'm curious how, you know, what were some of those conversations those first couple of years? What were some of the things that you can share? Because I still know there's a lot of accounting, legal, legal engineering, businesses, companies that are really struggling 
to build these connections. Yeah. You know, again, what I said earlier, some of these guys, when I first took over, had been in this profession already 20 years, right? And their heads down. I'm a tax accountant. That's what I know best. That's what I'm going to do. I'm more of a go have a relationship with someone and just listen and find out what you hear. And so just again, that was part of the cultural learning, right? Bring seamless to your clients. Don't go sell them. We don't use the word sell around here at all. We're not selling anyone anything. We're going out to the client. We're delivering a great product and we're listening and understanding where the owner, where the executives are going to go on their journey. And you'd be surprised if you just build personal relationships with the clients, not just work, personal relationships, get to know them as people. What do their kids do? Where they go to school? Like have a human to human conversation with your clients. Just watch what you find out. I bet you walk out of there with some things that they need help on that then you can come back to the office and get out of your little silo and go have chats with your teammates. And that was the culture that I've tried to instill. It's what I was instilled at a young age when I started at this firm. I didn't mention this when I kicked off. The partner that hired me my first week, he told me straight up, I never want to see you here for lunch. And he was telling me, if you're going to join this profession, you got to get good at meeting people, people you've never talked to and having a comfortable conversation and just making friends in this. Net. And that's why my network has gotten very large because I've been doing it now for 25 years. From the age of 22, mm -hmm. I was out meeting people left and right. Had no idea what I was going to talk about, but I was forced to go do it and I learned to do it well. But you were the business, but, but it, in, in the terms that I'm familiar with, you were the business development guy. You were like the designated go network, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to join the chamber and you're going to be the person that goes to the chamber meetings, to the luncheons, while everybody else sat in their office at, or read a book or sat on the bench outside. That's the, that's the old school model, but right. that is not today. That's correct. Yep. At least in, at least at CLA, it's not today. Correct. That's right. right. Everybody right. here, we're not business developers, we're client relationship leaders. That's right. Right. So when you met with some of the some of the individuals or, or all the individuals, uh, what were what were some of the things that you did rather than just say, hey, you, you, you can't spend lunch here. You need yeah. to go out and network because if they went to a meeting or a luncheon or a chamber event or or whatever it might be, they would also just sit there. It didn't mean that they need to network. <laughs> they yeah. just they just change the locations. No, no. I So we we had very candid meetings. Uh, so we would call these things growth network meetings, right? Where we'd get in a room and we'd start to sit down and just start to look at their relationships and start to have those candid conversations around. We've been working with company XYZ for the last 10 years. Why have they only been a tax compliance client? And looking that principle, that partner in the eye and saying, have you ever asked them about where their business is going? What is the owner's dreams? What are, what are they doing about succession? Have you ever had that conversation? And again, some of these, some of them had never done that. They were heads down, typical CPAs. They just needed someone to start that engine revving. And oh, by the way, this next generation, they love to do more of that stuff. They want to meet people. They want to have a go-to-market discussion. And, and so it, it put pressure on that upper level to get out and start doing that because here comes the next gen. And, and if you don't want to do it, they will do it, so to speak. Randy, let's let's start to take the conversation before before we get to the break here to bottom of the hour. Let's start talking about and unpacking hybrid work, remote work. There have been a lot of conversations around that. And Ira and I just discussed the other week. There actually are data that show that's a secondary conversation. The number one factor is culture. And so this is kind of a two-part question. The first one is 
What does work currently look like at CLA? Do you have a hybrid policy? Is there a requirement to come in certain days of the week and then work at home? And then the second part to that is, have you had to make some adjustments here recently if you do have more people working from home to still build those those connected culture pieces with them? And, and what are you doing around that? Yeah, we really had never named a policy. Uh, when the pandemic hit, we never said, you know, you have to go home, you have to come in, you got to work two days, three days. We never did that. We literally said, we're going to meet you where you're at. You decide what's best for you as long as you're engaging with your teams and the work's getting done and you're staying right engaged in, and, and helping culture continue forward, we're going to meet you where you're at. That's where we are today. And what we saw after the pandemic is everybody goes home. You guys know, you know, those first few months were tough. Everybody did go home. I'm not a home person. I'll just be honest. I couldn't do it. I do have a home office, but I'm a, I need people to fill my cup. And so I tried as hard as I could to come in every day. It was a lonely, dark office for, I would say about a month before someone else started to join me, but I still tried to do lunches outside with people. I just, that's what fills my cup. I'd love to meet people, hear their story and be around others. And so I started to come in after a couple months and before you know it, someone else comes in. And I think after a while, you know, we've, we've got a team here of about 140. I'd, I'd had two or three coming in regularly and that was about it. But what we did about that, which I, you know, a lot of people laugh looking back, I, I can't believe we did some of this stuff. We started to have some fun in the office. So we went out and bought like a hundred cardboard characters. We actually dressed to them in CLA gear. We actually went to LinkedIn, got everybody's face onto the cardboard and we stuck them all over the office. Like people were here working. It made the office feel less empty. And then we'd go have meetings with these people and film videos and post them out on CLA's, you know, Yammer thing. It's like a Facebook. And it started to just get a lot of humor around the firm. One day we packed them all in the elevator and just had a fun thing with COVID that you can't be in the elevator together. But I say all that, that that started to just show culture. And before you know it, we had several other people saying, man, these guys are having some fun. I'm going to go back. And it started to trickle back. Maybe it was one day a week. Then it became two. And before you know it, I would say at end of 21-ish, this office, this particular office started to fill 50% full. And now today, if you were to come in here in the heart of the week, Tuesday through Thursday, I would say that's our cadence of really being busy and full. It's it's almost full. And so we're we're almost back. I do think the new model is Monday and Fridays are very flexible. And as long as people engage and, and want to work from home or take meetings those days, that's okay. We're not, we're not going to hold you to being in your seat every day. As long as the work's getting done, clients are taken care of, you're doing some of your go-to-market activities, we trust our people to do what's right. And so we don't have a remote, we don't have a hybrid, we don't have an in-office. As long as things are getting done, we trust that you're doing the right thing. But it has become a midweek type culture where it's really busy in the office. I will tell you firm-wide, I do sit on the board of directors at CLA. We struggle in the downtown offices. There's a lot of things that have gone on in the downtowns. You guys know that security and just through what we dealt with in 2021, I think it's become harder for our people to go back downtown, whether it's truly a security issue or they use that as an excuse. We'll never know. Or is it the commute? Is it the pay for parking? There's a lot of factors with these downtown offices that it's not just CLA. A lot of the professional services are dealing with, including law firms, just trying to figure out how we fix that if we can fix it. I'm lucky I'm on the north side of our market. It's free parking. It's wide open parking. It's just an easier 
office to get to. And so we tend to have more people in versus a downtown office in another market. Yeah, that brings up a, a, a whole lot of things and probably beyond the scope of this, but you know, talking about the commercial real estate, corporate real estate, you know, especially in the downtown areas, what companies are doing. But it's also interesting because you have multiple locations. So your policy is in your location because of where you're located and because of the culture you're created, there's people that want to come back at least two or three days a week just to have that contact. But in like the Philadelphia office that you have, especially if they live in the Northeast Philadelphia and now, well, on any given day in Philadelphia traffic, as we were talking about before the show, but especially now with no interstate, you know, that could be, you know, quite a challenge. So they, they may be completely different. So that office may be empty. So when we come back, want to kind of learn a little bit more about what you're doing to connect the remote people beyond having their cutouts, you know, yep. at their desk, which is a great idea. I love, I love that. But what were some of the other activities that that you did that are certainly transferable, and you know, even within the CLA, you know, organization? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We got Randy Dial from CLA, which is a tax and accounting wealth advisory firm, and uh, a lot of mul- a multitude of other uh, activities that happen there. But they uh, have developed a very, very successful culture in a, a remote hybrid, actually, and, and a, re- a connected culture in an, uh, within an industry that traditionally has not been able to do that. So kudos to you. And I'm quite interested in, in exploring that. When we come back, we are going to take a quick break. And uh, you'll hear about one of the methods that we use to be able to do that. Stay tuned. Are your employees feeling stuck and just showing up for a paycheck? Is your workforce working harder to get back to normal than adapting to the future? It's time to help them break their addiction to certainty and develop a growth mindset. Developed by one of the world's top-rated future of work thought leaders, AQ Plus Mindset is a powerful tool to help your employees embrace change, adapt faster, and grow on the job. Conveniently delivered to any smartphone or laptop and easy to digest 5 to 10-minute lessons. Managers can sit back and watch employee attitudes shift towards growth and innovation in just 30 days. Are you ready to help your employees thrive in this ever-changing, never-normal world? Encourage them to show more grit, resilience, adaptability, and unlock their potential? The journey to a growth-filled future starts with a growth mindset. Visit aqplusmindset.com or call 484-373-4300. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're here with Randy Dial from CLA. We've been talking about building a resilient culture in the face of adversity, building a great culture in a remote world as well. Randy, when we left off talking about how you can build kind of these unique cultures in multiple locations, even under a global culture because everybody wants to to have this ro- almost like this robotic you know stamp is that no matter almost a McDonald's almost like a franchise no matter where you go in what location when you walk into a McDonald's it feels the same and you're treated the same and we know that's not the case anymore so what are some of the you know how how did how are you handling i guess developing a global culture but also a localized culture 
Yeah, I think getting that robotic stamp is just something that is is impossible, in my opinion. And again, I'll go back to what I said before the break. When you have offices like us on the on a north side of a suburb, and you get more in person, and you've got the vibe, and you know people walk through the door and they see a smiling face and a, a very engaging people, they feel great. What a great culture! But then you go to an office, and no fault of their own, where it's in a downtown, and you're lucky to get five people in because of all the things we talked about that just feels different. It feels empty. It's a different culture. And so at some point, you're just never going to get those aligned. And I think a lot of it has to do with the types of people that you have in your office, the type of leadership you have in your office, sometimes the location of that office. There's just so much that goes into that equation that you're just never going to get an exact, wow, I walked into Indianapolis and it felt just like walking into Philadelphia. It's just, that's impossible. So we do keep connected as a firm, I think, very well. And so through the pandemic years and after, of course, we had to get as digital as we could, just like everybody else. I mean, it's hard to believe just four years ago, we never did video calls, right? Everything was on a, a, a speakerphone conference call or on your cell, right? Who does that anymore? Isn't that wild how that has just flipped on a dime? And so we're very connected as a firm or on remote calls like this all the time. We ask our team if they are working remote to be available, to check in with teams, to engage. But here locally, I have a very small amount that I would call truly remote. Most are in a few days a week and then maybe take the bookends off. In the offices that where people just don't go in, our expectation is you're engaging with clients, you're out at clients you can't just sit at home and do everything. You have to be out meeting with clients and, and engaging and delivering the CLA promise. You can't do that behind a computer screen. And so some folks just may not go into the office because of where it's located, but they are out engaging with our client base. And usually if someone comes to CLA and they don't want to do anything but sit at home, usually they're not a fit for our firm. We want people that want to engage with people at the end of the day. A couple other waves of change that are coming. We we kind of talked about this at the top of the show. One of them is the AI wave. But before we get to that one, maybe a more current wave, because because there's a massive wall of debt that's coming due, is the commercial real estate debt that's going to mature here in the next year or two. I can't remember if it's one and a half trillion or three and a half trillion. But Cushman and Wakefield, friends of the show, they pulled together a report around this. And it's causing a lot of companies to seriously look at their physical footprint and are they going to reduce that? So maybe before we, we talk about the AI disruption, are there some things you can share conversations that are going on in terms of what you believe your physical footprint at CLA is going to look like in the future? Like, would that reduce? And if it does reduce, how do you see that impacting the culture in, in different ways? With all the knowledge I have and all the things I've heard in my positions, I will tell you, we will never go away from office. It, we're an office firm. We want to engage in communities. We want to be in small communities. One thing about CLA is you go across the country, you'll see we're in markets that are small. We're Main Street America. That's, that's who we are. It's our DNA. A lot of firms decided not to go that route. They consolidated and they're in big cities. We are a Main Street USA firm. And because of that, we're not going to get rid of office space. I never see that. Will we, however, go to an Indianapolis? My lease is up in two years, right? So I'm, I'm in the thick of it here soon. Will we go to Indianapolis and say, do you truly need 18,000 square feet? That's what I'm in now. Will they say, hey, given your people are in three days on average and you do hoteling now, which is something that we do here, instead of everyone gets a space, you kind of reserve and pick a space when you come in, move around uh, the office, meet people. Do you truly need 18,000 square feet? Probably not. 
So can we do it smarter? Can we do it better? Should it be more open? I think that's the discussion coming for a lot of our locations to figure out what do you truly need to execute at your peak performance, given the trend of your people in and out of the office, which makes a lot of sense to me. But we're never going to go away from office space. There's no way. So it's more of a reimagining of how much space do you need and then how you're utilizing it. And it sounds like you just shared, you're already taking some steps of how you do that, where people, if they know they're going to come in, they're going to reserve some space. We've heard from some other friends of ours, like at Avanti, they're a cybersecurity company where they're doing something similar. But but moving more toward this AI disruption that we're, we're currently in it, obviously, since ChatGPT went public, there was AI around before that, but that has just accelerated the change in the amount of solutions that are out there. What do you foresee in the future in terms of what that'll mean for CLA, for the accounting and the finance industry, and also in terms of, of culture? Do you think it's going to help with culture building or is it going to be another challenge you have to overcome? That's a ball of wax to answer. That's for sure. I, you know, I've seen demonstrations of it and CLA is all over it. Trust me, we're looking at all pieces of that. I see both opportunities. I see potential downsides. I really, it's hard to answer exactly what we'll see come out of this thing. But some of the things this technology will do is it saves a lot of time from what I would call tasks that nobody likes to do. All right. So is there an opportunity here to use some of this AI to do tasks that maybe younger generation or students would come in and do as an intern that now gives them a chance to do higher level work immediately? Right. You guys, old, you know, the old term grunt. No one wants to be a grunt anymore. Right. You spent a year putting numbers in an Excel sheet and you did it. You earned your passage. You, you learn a lot. You move on. Is there a way to get rid of that stuff to where now the data is kind of done and you get to come in and right away and start learning? How do you use the data? Where, where, you know, what does that mean to the client? How do you start having client conversations quicker rather than later? I think that's a lot of the opportunistic stuff that will come. And then things that we don't even know about yet may come out of the the data and what it will do. Downsides is who knows, right? Does that, do we not need as many people because of that? I, I don't know. That That's the answers that I think everyone's trying to grapple with right now is truly what will this do and what will it transform in a lot of sectors, not just accounting, but just all over the place. Think of, it could write briefs for attorneys. I mean, just think of what this thing could do and what is, what's the impact on the, on the population that's in the workforce today. I think that's the question nobody really has an answer to, but. Yeah, as you mentioned that, it, it's incredible. You know, I, I remember because I had a, a few accounting clients over the last 20, 25 years. And one of them was, they had about 100 accountants that we work with. And when I, it might have been 10 years ago, maybe maybe even longer at this point, that I talked about, you know, how, out basically how some of the services could be outsourced. And at that point, they were talking about outsourcing it to India. You know, now we're talking about, we're going to bring it back in. We're going to do it through AI. And it was like, this will never happen. We have relationships. And what we found out was they didn't have the relationships that you're talking about. They had transactional relationships. That's right. That it was, it was, a, it was a, a transaction of convenience. Because I've worked with you, you understood the business and it's a pain in the butt to change an accountant. So I stick with you, even if I don't have a relationship with you. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, I got a $5,000 bill, but I can outsource it. And I have a $500 bill. Uh, yep. So we're, we're at that peak. And, uh, you know, certainly a lot of the a lot of the professions that were thought they were immune to this, you know, phys physicians, well, everybody, physicians, engineers, accountants, attorneys, doctors found out that they're not so immune. 
And that's why it's so important. And again, we preach it every day. You've got to get to know your client deep. If all you're doing is a simple tax return to your point and AI somehow figures out how to do that in a few years, what do you have left, right? But boy, if you're doing all these different things for that client and really bringing a ton of value, it, it shouldn't disrupt relationships. And that's what we're trying to preach is you should be deep with your with your people and your clients and your center of influences. And I, I share this with with everybody, with, with everybody's listening. And it sounds like you're, you're already doing this. And, and I've been preaching this for 20 years. So the, the life is caught up. But it, it's really understanding, helping your clients understand their clients. Uh-huh. So how could their business be disrupted by AI? It's not how your business could be disrupted. And maybe you take a back seat and there, there may be, it, it sounds like a lot of the people who may have thought like this are no longer with CLA. But for those that still may have this belief or in, in other organizations in our audience, is that if you, even if what you're doing today is really so unique and so talented that for the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, AI will not impact it. The clients, your clients likely have positions and their clients may be impacted with it. So if you go down the road, if your client's client client is impacted by it, it means that your client, that client's not going to have as much work, which means your client doesn't have as much work, which means that they may not be in business. That's right. Totally agree with that. It's like one degree of separation instead of six. (laughs) Even if yours isn't, we're going to get to the point really quickly where your clients guaranteed are absolutely trying to to figure out the disruption and how to handle the AI. And Randy, I loved what you shared earlier too with the grunt work. Nobody loves grunt work. I mean, that's that's absolute truth. And my hope for for the future, and this is going to lean into our, our next segment we want to do with you here, Hopes and Fears. My hope is in the future, you know, when we start thinking about the types of work that humans do, that just like you alluded to, that we are removing the types of work that's mundane, that for many people, it doesn't bring fulfillment or meaning or purpose behind what they're doing, and that we're able to get them into more of the type of work that is more redeeming beyond just, I have to do this to put food on the table, but no, I can't wait to wake up each day and get started because I'm working on this incredible project, leveraging my unique skills and talents to solve some very complex problems. And I really think we're gonna get there, but it's gonna be a bumpy ride in the short term, I think, where there's gonna be a lot of job loss potentially, while at the same time we're creating new jobs, but we're gonna have to reskill and upskill people pretty quickly. But kind of on the tails of that, let's get into that hopes and fears segment with you. Obviously, we are a future of work show, and we, we've started to talk about that with you and what you think that looks like in, in the accounting space and for CLA. What are your hopes for the future, and what are some of your fears for the future? You know, it, it just work-related or personal or both? They could be both. Let's start with work, and then let's get into the personal, because that'll yeah. go well into the lightning round then after that. Yeah. I would say I hope I have is some of the discussion that we just had does not scare away younger students and those that want to enter a profession that's got a lot to offer. There's no secret that enrollment in accounting has gone down. There's just a lot of those that come out of high school that don't even consider it because of all the other business majors they can go into like data analytics and social media and marketing, all these things. And so one of my hopes is that at some point that pendulum swings back and we're working hard to do that. We had four high school students start with us today. 
as interns. Our firm's doing a 60 uh, high school student pilot right now, and it's just to start to get accounting back into the high schools, the vibe, and let these kids go back and share what it was like to come in and work in a culture. So one of my hopes is that's what happens. We start to get this excitement again in that younger generation around accounting. And that's why I think this AI could be an opportunity because they don't want to come in and, and do grunt work and data entry. They want to come in and have impact right away. And it, the, it could be timed well to where all that happens kind of simultaneously for the profession. That's one of my hopes. My fear is the opposite. <laughs> As enrollment continues to drop, they're scared that AI will replace jobs and we just aren't going to find that next gen of leaders that helps sustain great firms like CLA. I'd say that's one of my fears. I also fear burnout. I believe you mentioned as we kick this thing off some stats on burnout. There's more and more of that discussion at levels like mine and above the leadership, just how long can they sustain at some of the paces that we're on. And just, I fear that health wise, that's going to be a concern for the profession as well. Not just CLA, but others in the profession too. Yeah, I, th I thought you might under, under fears, talk about the, the uh, report that was just released this morning about the uh, math proficiency of 19 year olds of recent high school grads, and it fell off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> You know, yep. so not not that you need math for accounting, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and then personally, I, I guess I would just add, you know, I I'm an optimistic, I'm a positive, I love people. I I just I'm getting tired of hearing the strife in the world. I just my hope is that. I'm not a, I don't want to get into politics, but at some point this all comes back together. I mean, this is just, it's terrible to watch this daily. It's terrible to see the constant news around parties that don't like each other and they're making decisions just because they want to do this versus let's, what, what's good for the USA and the world. That's a hope and a fear because if it goes one way, awesome. If it goes the other way, I, it just feels like it's kind of a spiral right now from a just life perspective unfortunately well, it sounds like randy dial put him on the ticket for 2024 is what it sounds like <laughs> yeah no hey, thanks man no look thanks. at it look at it this way if you've ever heard of the tiger king if you ever watched that netflix series just yeah. saw this in the news yesterday evidently he got his name on the ballot in colorado for the presidential ballot for 2024 even though he's still in jail that's a completely completely different conversation but we need more leadership like you're providing randy and we need to scale it because we need more organizations that are running like CLA that are trusting their people to make the right decisions for them and are looking out for ways to, to decrease burnout. And so we're coming up close to the end of our time together. So we want to get to our lightning round here just to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level and help our listeners do the same. So let's start with this one. What's favorite band song or concert that you, that you get into? Well, I don't know if I have one. I When I work out, I love just hard rock. And so I'd have to go back to when I was a kid. It was the whole Guns N' Roses type music. And so I, I'd have to go with GNR. I guess tunes like that would be my favorite. Now we're talking. Ira, I can't believe it's taken this long to get Guns N' Roses on that, on that particular one. So Randy, obviously you're an indie guy like me here in Indianapolis. Yeah. Did you go see GNR a couple summers ago when they were here? No, I didn't. I missed it, but I remember that well, for sure. It did. Yeah. Axel actually was able to carry a tune. I was, I was looking for the worst and he actually looked pretty healthy and spry. He did a good awesome. job. Good. Yeah. I remember you went, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was rocking the eighties gear, you know, had the fake wig on and everything with the, you know, acid wash jeans and everything. It was a good time. Good times. How about this one? If there's one person in the history of the world that you could spend the day with, who would it be? 
Hmm. I'd say Jesus Christ. I think that's the first time we've gotten that one too. Yeah, absolutely. And there'd be a lot of questions to ask that I don't think were brought up in the Bible um, to try and help tie up some loose ends of, of, you know, (laughs) what does it actually look like to love your enemies? And can you give us a little bit more on the concept of heaven and hell? Like what exactly is that? So that we have a little bit more of an understanding of that. And then how about this last one? Let's think about your bucket list. If you have one, what would be at the top of that bucket list? What's the next thing that you want to go do and cross off the list? Well, one of them is actually going to happen here in two weeks. So uh, I, I actually just got this question last week at a matrix leader meeting, right? What is one thing that you wish you could redo or a bucket list item? So I got married very young, 22 years old. My wife and I were high school sweethearts. We're celebrating our 25th yesterday and we're going to Hawaii in two weeks and we're actually going to renew our vows and have a ceremony. And so one of my, my wedding day, when you're that young, you just, you go through the motions. Like you're just, I don't know how to word it, but you're just kind of not there. You're just, you know, you're young, you're, and so I want to really have kind of a special moment for her and I, because we're at our 25th and just make this a true, like, this is what it is meant to feel like kind of thing. I just don't feel like I got that because you're rushed and you're trying to get the family and that, you know how it is. And I just, I want to redo that. So that's been on my list and we're doing it in here in two weeks. That's awesome. And that's similar to Ira. You got to cross that one off the list too recently, Ira. I was there before, so but I, we were back. Hawaii's fun. Where, which island are you going to, Randy? We're doing Oahu and then Maui. We're doing two different islands. Okay, yeah, we were in Oahu. So and I awesome. and I've been to Maui before. So awesome. you'll have a blast. I've never been. We can't wait. Yeah, and we're only taking our three kids. No friends, no girlfriends. Boy, like this is the family nest. Last trip probably because my kids have gotten older. So. Yeah, it's a bunch of good places we learned to eat in uh, Oahu. So. Um, happy to share them with you. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Randy, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing a lot of the the wisdom of things you're doing at CLA to keep a connected culture, despite all the the change. We're we're running the banner here at the bottom for those that are watching. If you want to learn more about Clifton Larson Allen and the work they're doing, you can go to claconnect.com. And then just look for Randy on LinkedIn also. He's very active there. Any other ways to get in touch with you, Randy, and learn more about the work you all are doing? I'd just say LinkedIn, hit me up, and then I can share email or text offline. But I'd say LinkedIn is probably best. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us. And no doubt, we'd love to have you on again in the future for a part two to dig in more specifically on the burnout piece that you talked about and that you all are trying to start putting some strategy behind for the leadership to try and mitigate the effects of burnout that's rising. So thanks again for being with us, Randy, and we'll look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Randy. Best of luck. Ira, what were some some big culture takeaways and aha moments for you that you heard from Randy today? Yeah, I think it was mostly confirmation, you know, and again, especially coming from a professional world and having worked with, you know, quite a few accounting, legal, engineering firms. Surprisingly, I actually didn't work with a lot of dentists (laughs) after decided that that wasn't the direction I wanted to go, but I had a number of clients and, and there was really a lot of resistance, you know, built up. I mean, they wanted to fix the problem, but they, they the culture was was sort of set in stone and, you know, time passed by and, you know, all of a sudden they had trouble retaining people and replacing a lot of the people that had been with them for 30 or 40 years. But a lot of organizations like that now it's, you know, now that's it's basically you know, passed through to almost every organization. So I think a lot of it was a confirmation 
uh, of, you know, that we're headed in the right direction, things we talk about all the time. And then on top of that, you know, what I, what I opened the show with, you know, learning about the role of, uh, you know, neuroscience and how our brains work and the importance of our social brain moving forward is, is really going to be, you know, a key. And I guess unknowingly, Randy sort of tapped that. I mean, it was instinct to him and, you know, that how important those relationships were. But we're going to reform, you know, how, how do you develop empathy and trust in, in a hybrid? It may not be 100% remote, but at least it's going to be a hybrid, partially remote world. Uh, how, do you, how do you build those relationships when networking events may not all be in person? Absolutely. And I, I foresee a future... And I'm sorry I missed that part. That was when I was having technical difficulties when you were talking about the neuroplasticity and things. But I really believe with the Apple Vision Pro in particular, we're going to see some really incredible research that comes out with that to see if spatial computing and augmented reality, can it access those parts of the brain, those social parts of the brain, like it is when we're actually in person and be able to replicate that in the same way in terms of brainwave patterns and, and the, the neurological sciences you referenced. I think it's going to be fascinating. The one other thing that Randy shared today, the, the, it wasn't new to me, but it's something that I often forget or that I don't bring up in conversation. And that's this concept of subcultures within your culture. Mm-hmm. So often when we talk about culture, we think about the overall culture and we think about the individual people and how they contribute to that. But many times we forget that there is that middle layer of you have these different departments and teams, unwritten norms, social norms, the way things are done within smaller groups of people that create those subcultures. And those things have to be addressed as well and nurtured and guided in certain ways in order for that group behavior to connect to the overall organizational behavior. And that was a great reminder, I think, that he shared with us today. That's important to not overlook. I I think those subcultures at times are called silos. So you have have marketing and sales and accounting and finance, and they all had subcultures, but they, so I, I guess this would be a great conversation to have at some point. How do you prevent, how do you convert the silos or the subcultures, or how do you prevent subcultures not becoming silos? That's right. Even or, apart from just doing cross-functional teams, there's probably more to it than that. That would be four uh, principles uh, of connection. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. And Googleization Nation, we want to thank you for tuning in today um, and listening to the show. If you've not hit the subscribe button on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn, please do so for the video streams. And of course, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform, too. So please subscribe there as well. But until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Ira Wolf. Thank you for for listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Reminder, you can still download the book since we were talking about that today, Create Great Culture in a Remote World. Talk, uh, again, four, it's four authors. It's uh, I'm one of them. And uh, we talk a lot about different ways that you can do that. You can get the book for free, download, iverwolf.com forward slash free dash book. And for those of you who are able to attend tomorrow or register, please make sure you go to adaptabilitytoolkit.com forward slash disk forward slash disk 
health-y-webinar. Be doing a webinar with Dr. Gary Sanchez about the synergy, speaking about synergies and connections, the connections and synergies between DISC and your Y operating system. Registration's free. Please uh, go up to Adaptability Toolkit and uh, register for tomorrow. If you, if you can't make it, you can register and there will be a replay. Again, thank you for listening today. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye.